expectations, child-free by circumstance or by choice. This is a very special episode. It's still the podcast Expectations, but this time we're doing it in English. And today I'm interviewing my very first American guest, Jen. And another premiere, it's the first interview we're doing in person. Jen, you are in your 40s. You are a finance specialist working in the healthcare industry. You live with your dog and being independent has always been very important to you. Jen and I, we met in a course learning about the art of storytelling. And you actually told this hilarious story about ending up trapped in your own bathroom when you were renovating your house. The door had somehow locked itself and it was impossible to open it. You tried everything for a long time, then you called a friend, and in the end, you had to reluctantly accept that you had to call the firefighters. And the firefighters finally had to smash down your door. So it wasn't a small thing. And as I understood, this felt like a defeat to you because you wanted to prove that you are an independent woman with a proper toolbox, with some badass drilling skills, and you did not need a man. So shout out to you for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Jen, tell me, have you always been an independent woman? <laughs> well, I certainly like to think so. And I think it's always been important to me, but it's been important to me because I've always wanted to make my own decisions and take my own path. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to think, much like in the bathroom situation, that That meant being able to do everything alone. And over the past few years, I've realized that's not the case. Um, having people in my life who form that solid base and that support structure, that means a lot. And that's actually what helps me to be independent and really to just make my own decisions and, and chart my own path, whatever that may be. Uh, and so that's really what independence ends up being okay. for me. That's really beautiful. Well, one of the reasons I'm taking this podcast to the U.S. and talk to people living here is because I'm also interested in whether there are cultural differences uh, in the whole child-free topic between Switzerland and the U.S. And when we met for coffee uh, a couple of weeks ago, we realized there were actually quite a lot of yeah, differences. A lot. And especially within the job application business which is a very specific area. And before we get into the details, well, you work in finance, but in the healthcare industry. And I understand you have a management position. How is it to be a woman in management in healthcare and finance? Well, I will start out by saying, I think being in healthcare is a lot easier as a woman. You know, so many of our employees whether you're looking at nurses, but even now doctors, most of the doctors graduating in America now are women. And so it's, it's a much more women dominated field than a lot of other areas. And it, there are a lot more women managers. And even in my finance team, it's more women than you would see in other finance teams. So we are a bit unique in healthcare that um, there's a lot more women 
generally. And being a woman is not the uphill challenge. It might be in some other industries in the United States, but there's still challenges. Mm -hmm. And there's still challenges because I think a lot of women struggle with some of the traditional expectations of what it means to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And that that doesn't change just because we're in healthcare or finance or in management. And do you think there's a difference between being a manager for a woman with or without kids? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I do feel now where I'm in my career, I have a lot more autonomy and the ability to say it's it's not maybe kids that I'm dealing with, but just life. And I try to instill that in my team. But there were times as I was coming up through my career, even with very understanding managers who were fine with me having things that weren't kids to do outside of work or wanted to support that, that it was still a challenge because your coworkers who you grow, grow close to and you want to have those connections with, you want to support them, mm-hmm. they have those demands of children. And again, working in an industry that has a lot more women, those expectations fell on them more often. And so it was certainly something that I dealt with where I can remember saying, oh, yeah, I'll take care of that. Don't worry. You go deal with your your children. And even today, one of my managers who works for me, she had to leave the office for a few hours because her daughter broke her leg and had to go to the orthopedist. I want to be there and support her for that. But that also meant that I was picking up on some things. Now, I I do think we also, especially in a more progressive company like mine, have men who do the same thing and step Mm -hmm. into that space. Maybe not as much as their wives or their partners, but more often than Mm -hmm. maybe the stereotypical man. Mm -hmm. But not having children, it took me a while to figure out how to set those barriers so that I wasn't always the one stepping in to -hmm. help out my coworkers or that I was okay prioritizing my non-children activities as much as they prioritize their children's activities. Yeah, and how did you do that? Like, do you have an example for that? You know, I think some of it is through conversations and also through having other women who've gone before me who were in a similar situation. And I've been very fortunate that I've had great mentors and coworkers who have been honest and said, sure, I don't have a kid to go home to, but my dog is sick. My partner is sick. My parents are sick. Maybe it's even my neighbor. And, and, and really saying it's my community I'm taking care of. It isn't just mm-hmm. about a child, but also sometimes it's me and it's my mental health. Yeah. And it's a lot of that that honest conversation with everyone that you're involved with. So they know what's important to you as much as you know what's important to them, whether that's a nuclear family or not. Yeah. And I think we're very lucky that discussion about mental health is getting a bit more open and we're more aware of it. Yeah. And if we dive into the whole job application (laughs) process, which is very special. So first of all, just a blunt question. What do you write on your CV? (laughs) Well, from what I understand from our previous conversation, not nearly as much as you do in Switzerland. And I will say over the past few years, especially with the advent of virtual work, I have been advised to put less and less on my CV. So it used to be my name, my address, my email, my phone number. And that and my information about my college or university and and post-university studies that was really the only personal information now I've been told you don't even put your address because if someone doesn't need you to relocate it doesn't matter and if someone does your relocation shouldn't play into whether or not you're the best candidate 
So at least in the United States, it's name, phone number, email, Mm -hmm. and take off the years associated with when you finished university. Oh, okay. Because that's an indication of how old you are, which tells people whether or not you might have children or be looking to have children. Mm -hmm. And so the guidance now is kind of take that all off. It's not relevant to whether or not you can do the job. But how do you find out how what a good experience the person has or not. Yeah, so you're still putting the years on there for your job. Okay. Your time in, in certain jobs. Yeah. But to show people that I graduated from college in 2002, they automatically say, oh, you're in your early 40s. You might have young children. Yeah. And I've been told, just don't even do that. Okay. It's not their business. They don't need to, to know so, about that. So if a boss wants to, she or he can calculate... How old you are according to the number of years of experience you have, but you will not put it bluntly out there. Exactly. exactly. I get it. Okay. Well, in Switzerland, that's very different. (laughs) (laughs) We still enclose a picture and our marital status. And many people will actually also write how many kids they have on their CV. To me, I think about... Some of the the TV shows that we watch now, which are kind of throwback shows, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if you've seen Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on yes. Amazon, yeah. but I think there's a, a, a time in there where she's having a discussion and there's a male coworker and they're talking about pay. And the assumption is, well, the male coworker has to support his family, so I should pay him more, right? And to me, that means all that information that you're putting on your, your resume in Switzerland is indicating the same thing. Yeah. I've got to support a family. Uh, yes, I'm more I'm more normal, but does it also indicate like how much I should be paid? Yeah. And that's another thing in this country. There were some laws in California recently that have spread to uh, other states, but also some other states are just changing to yeah. go to best practice where they don't ask for previous salary because whether a woman took time off to have children or just didn't negotiate as much as a man did, women's salaries tend to be lower. Mm-hmm. And so anything you can do to mitigate mm-hmm. that issue, mm-hmm. including whether or not you have children, right? We're, we're just trying to take all of that out and make mm-hmm. it as apples to apples a comparison and really yeah. based on the work you're doing. Yeah. So it just, it amazes me yeah. that anyone would ever put a picture because what if they don't like how you look, but you're the best candidate for the job um, or any of that personal information because I, I can understand how that helps make that connection with the hiring manager, but that's also detrimental to everyone who doesn't have that same situation yeah, as the hiring yeah. manager. Yeah, and it's very strange because, I mean, whether you look good on the picture or not, I mean, it could be a really bad picture. Mm-hmm. You have taken a selfie <laughs> in the bathroom and you, yeah. you maybe you look good, but you just analyze, like, what did the person do with this picture? It's just very strange. And I think it gives HR people a more difficult job to be neutral mm-hmm. about selecting the whole CVs. And they need to put in a lot of work taking out these pictures or like, <laughs> yeah, kind of ignoring certain facts to be able to see if the person really fits or not, and if it, she or he has the right experience yes. that is requested for that job. Are you actually allowed to ask whether someone has kids? Oh, gosh, an no, absolutely not. No, um, you can't ask any questions that would give you information about a person that might make you make a choice about their employment that 
doesn't directly relate to whether or not they can do the job. Mm -hmm. And so you can't ask about having kids. You can't ask about things like illnesses Mm -hmm. or other things that don't relate directly to the work. So I've always been advised. and, And the question I ask is, is there anything that would prohibit you from fulfilling the duties of the job? Mm-hmm. Because really, as a manager, right, that's what I care about. And if you can still get all your work done, and yes, you might have to take a break at lunch to take your children to the doctor or leave a little early a few days and you make up for later, what does it matter to me? But yeah, um, you can't and you shouldn't, in my mind at least, ask whether or not you have kids. You've hired people. Mm-hmm. What is important to you when you hire someone? What would you ask the person yeah. during an interview? Yeah. So um, I usually start out by just trying to see about fit for the team. Mm-hmm. And for me uh, and the type of work we do, a lot of that is being able to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And because we're in finance, some people aren't as able to do that. They mm-hmm. need to really be behind the scenes yeah. folks. And my team, the, the way we interact with the company, we can't do that. So a lot of it is that type of fit screening. And then we do have technical competency interviews. But then the most important thing that we do is we have everyone interview with the team members. And And it really goes back to, do you fit with the people that you're going to be working with on a day-to-day basis? If you can do the technical piece, can you have a conversation with them? Are you going to collaborate? Are you going to be willing to learn? Because our organization... And as we all know from COVID, healthcare yeah. continues to change. Yeah. And so that becomes the really important part. And, and we've simplified it to one question, which is, do you want to go to happy hour with this person? Yeah. And if our team says yes, most of the time, then the people that we are supporting in the company, yeah. um, they're going to say yes, too. They're going to yeah. want to work with that person. That person's going to be able to go out and meet with the directors and the vice presidents that they support. So that's really what we end up looking for. And sometimes that might mean you have things in common and whether that's kids or dogs or travel, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it's really that ability, no matter what you have, Mm -hmm. to be able to connect with people. So from other women living in and working in the U.S., I Mm -hmm. uh, often hear they're asked to work longer hours, finish a task because their colleague needs to pick up a kid from soccer or Mm -hmm. whatever. And what you actually said, so you have had similar experiences. Yeah. 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 I think it depends a lot on where you live, the industry you live in, and really, I'm sorry, the industry you work in, and really most specifically your boss. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's where we have a lot of variation. Mm -hmm. But the good thing that's happening in the United States is we have a lot more women entering the workforce and entering management. And so you have a lot of women like me who don't have kids, but understand and have friends and family with children and know what kind of challenge that can be. Mm-hmm. And you have women who are themselves mothers and you just generally have people who say like, I know you have a life mm-hmm. and whether it's children or something else, we're all going to have these challenges at some point. And there's going to be times that work asks more of us. And I'm going to work late. And there's going to be times that your life asks more of you and you need to step out. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we're all always willing to play on that team and provide coverage, It may be that someone with kids is covering for someone with kids Mm -hmm. or someone with kids is covering for someone without kids, but that has something else going on. Mm -hmm. And I think it really goes back to having that that leadership that's understanding and knows each of the individual team members and what's important to them. And if you had a not understanding uh, boss, would you go so far as to invent something to be able to leave work? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have not personally done that. Yeah. 
Um, I, I have had one or two bosses who were kind of borderline yeah. and um, I just, I was totally honest with them because I also want to be a good example for my, the managers that report to me for my team. I can see where, and I've even seen memes recently where people are joking about, well, the next job I have, I'm going to pretend I have children. So in a way I get that depending on the situation you're in. And I just wish everyone was able to say like, you know, having kids wasn't important to me, but having my parents live with me and taking care of them is important. And I need to be able to leave for that or mm-hmm. my dog or this organization I volunteer with. So um, I, I can just nothing, just nothing, just again, your, your personal health and yeah. life. And, yeah. you know, it's a nice day and I've been working a lot and I want to take a few hours off. Yeah, I, I, I would love that for people, but I can understand that's not always the case. Yeah. Is there anything you'd recommend to especially women without children for their career? Yeah. You know, one of the big things is make sure that you are remembering when you go into an interview that you're interviewing that company too. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, I just have to take this job. It doesn't matter, but it does. Mm -hmm. And having a bad boss can be really detrimental to your physical and mental well-being. And so I think it's okay to ask a lot of questions. And if for some reason you're not getting to talk to the people that report to that person, mm-hmm. you should be wary yeah. um, because they might be hiding something. Yeah. They might know that it's going to be really hard for that team to answer your questions, honestly. And especially if that team doesn't look like you or have the same values as you, that's going to be a red flag too. So I think it's really important to make sure you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. Yeah. Well, let's move back to you sure. personally or privately. So I understand you grew up in a rural or more um, suburban, suburban area. Yep. And so what was it like to grow up like this? You know, I'm very fortunate. I grew up with a very traditional, by United States standards, family. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of three. Um, my parents are still together to this day. Grew up in the suburbs of a smaller city. And... I grew up with a lot of people who looked like me and a lot of families that looked like ours and uh, a lot of values that were very homogenous. And so it was kind of the expectation growing up that this is what you will do when you grow up. Also, you will go to college, you will get a good job, you will get married and you will have children. Mm -hmm. And that's where my family still lives today. And that is what happened to my brother and sister and a lot of my friends who Mm -hmm. are from that area as well. Mm-hmm. But not to but you. <laughs> but before we talk about that, tell me, like, what was really important to your parents for your upbringing? Yeah. So as I mentioned, like, my parents are pretty traditional American family. Mm-hmm. But I will say, my father, especially with my mother's support, I don't want to discount her in this, but my my father was definitely the uh, idealist of the two of them. He did not want my sister and I to grow up and think that our job in life was to get married and rely on a man for our support, our well-being, uh, our financial stability. Mm -hmm. So we were raised from a very young age to know that we should be able to support ourselves Mm -hmm. and we should be able to think for ourselves and guide our own path Mm -hmm. and he wanted us to do that with a partner. Don't get me wrong, but he didn't want us to be wholly reliant on that partner. And I think a lot of that came from seeing his own sister and her relationship with their father 
which that relationship was very much the, okay, daughter, you go, you get married. That man will take care of you when, when I don't take care of you anymore. Mm-hmm. And my dad didn't want that. He, he wanted us to be able to make our own choices and to have the freedom that I mentioned earlier to do what we want and what we see is appropriate in our lives. And that's how we were raised. And uh, we were raised so that we had to learn all the same things as our brother. There was not men's jobs and women's jobs. You know, I know how to change a tire in a car. I know how to mow the lawn. Uh, I know how to use power tools, as we talked about before. And my brother knew how to cook and clean and do the laundry. And I think that really helped guide me and my sister to roles and careers where we are leaders. Uh, We are self-sufficient. She is the breadwinner in her family. I am obviously the only breadwinner in my family, but it was, it, it was very much a, you don't have to take a back seat to your husband. You can lead the life you want to live. You need to work hard, but you can do that. Um, And I will say though, my father imagined that very much looking like having a husband and having children. And my sister does have four children. They are lovely. So she, she kind of filled out that mold a little bit more than I did. Do you think he was surprised with your choice? Yes. Yes. I I know he was, he was surprised with my choice. Was it difficult for you? Well, I understand you knew pretty early on that you didn't want to have kids. Yeah. I will say um, in college, I worked throughout college to help put myself through college and buy a car and that type of thing. And some of the jobs I had, I was working with children and they were fine, but it was not something I really enjoyed. And I can remember thinking to myself, oh, this is what being a mom might be like. You're all day with these small children who are completely reliant on you. And that's a lot. And so coming out of college, I kind of had this feeling like, I don't know, but everyone else is doing it. And it's the expectation. And so I'm still not sure. I went straight from college into graduate school mm-hmm. or from university to graduate school. And while I was in graduate school, I was also working and I was working at a, a hospital in the, the city where my graduate school was. And it was a, it's a, the urban hospital. It takes care of pretty much mm-hmm. everyone in the city. And I was working on labor and delivery. So I was seeing babies be born and I was seeing the kinds of families or in some cases, the lack of families that these yeah. women had as they were having children, as they were increasing the number of children they had. And I also saw all the the staff, the nurses and doctors I was working with who were delivering these children. And it was quite surprising to see people who lived in such a different way than I was raised, even though it was very close to where I was raised. Um, A lot of women who didn't have a partner uh, or had many partners who were not helping to parent. And Again, just that none of these kind of structures that I was raised with were guaranteed. But it was also really interesting to see the number of doctors and the number of nurses who loved helping these women bring new life into the world and figure it out from there. And how many of them even did not have children of their own. And I had conversations with them about why didn't you have children or you obviously love babies. Why, you know, Mm -hmm. why didn't you have your own? And there was a variety of reasons. And, and again, obviously, these people love children and they, they love the family unit and they love um, helping mothers out. And it really made me realize, like, I can love children but not want my own. 
they, those don't have to be the same thing. And so I, I feel very fortunate that while I was still in my early to mid twenties, I came to that realization around, I like kids. I just, I don't think I want to do that. And so, yeah, it was, uh, you know, in my, I think I was 25. Um, and my partner at the time, no longer my partner, but he felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And he had, had grown up in some situations where he had been exposed to a lot of children and was like, that's great, but it's not for me. Um, and I do remember telling my parents and, and his parents after we got married, because they start, of course, they start asking right away, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And when you say that first time, well, I don't think that's in the cards for us. Either people push back or they're like, oh, it must be a medical issue. Oh, and for okay. us, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a choice. Um, and there wasn't an immediate acceptance. Did you also hear sentences like, oh, you just don't know oh, yet. You're you'll not change your mind. mind. You'll change your mind. Or you just haven't met the right guy. Yeah. Uh, not so much the right guy. Because we did get married. <laughs> we yeah. were together. We got married at 26. Okay. But there was certainly a lot of, well, you'll change your mind. Or yeah. you just haven't thought about this yet. And I think a lot of it was both sets of our parents really loved being parents. And they really loved the families they created. And I think, especially in my parents' case, because my sister was not an easy child to raise. And I saw all of that as well. She was a real challenge for my parents. And I saw it. You know, I think for them, at that point, having my sister be out of that phase, and mm-hmm. they helped her get through that, and she was on the right path, they were like, look, it's great. You should do it, too. It was very easy to set aside those years of anguish. Yeah. And I just kept going back to that saying, no, I, I don't. If, if something magical happens and I change my mind, fine. But at that point, I had a lot of friends having babies. I was around a lot of different kids and yeah. wasn't feeling it. Yeah. I think it's, sometimes it's just also difficult for people and sometimes also for me to really accept other ways of life. Yeah. Yeah. I think often people want to try to convince you that their way of life is the best way, yeah. but they don't really realize that someone else might think in a completely different way and have yeah. different needs and wishes and dreams. Yes. And I think on top of that, there are people who are trying to validate their own life choices. Exactly. That's the second and, point. Yes. Too. Yes. You need to convince yourself that you made the right choice. Yes. And it's been very interesting over the years, the number of people I meet who, mostly women, who, when I say, no, I don't have children, they almost congratulate me because I think mm-hmm. they are surprised and still challenged by being a mother. Yeah. And, you know, they might have been on the fence and they made the choice to have a child. And, you know, I want to support them in that because it is the most difficult yeah. job in my mind regardless yeah. of, of what other work you have going on those kids are always in your heart and always in your mind um, but I think there have been a number of women who have said you know I, I wish I had said that and and followed that path and said because being a parent yeah. is really hard yeah, yeah but it's, it's not the majority I think a lot of them are are doing what you said which is trying to convince themselves yeah or like my life is great why wouldn't you want this exactly yeah. But the other one is also really important. And I think it's also important for mothers to talk about the challenges yes. of being a parent. And luckily, I think the discussion is opening uh, a little bit. And 
Yeah, I guess a lot of people are just not prepared to be a parent. Mm -hmm. You know, you know your parents, you know your mm -hmm. friends, maybe. But what it really means to wake up four times a night uh, yeah. to feed a baby during two years, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and never get a good night's sleep ever again, I would be a zombie for sure. Was it difficult for you to say that out loud in front of your parents, especially that you didn't want kids? He, yes. Uh, I, I don't want to pretend like, no, it was great. Everything was fine. No, it was a challenge. Mm -hmm. And especially because their reaction at first was like, what? No, you didn't yeah. say that, right? They had different expectations. I will say it became easier. It was one of those things that the more I said it out loud, the, the more I realized like that is my truth. And then my sister very soon after I got married, had her first child. And that's when, I mean, it was absolutely cemented for me by then but I think my parents that's when they realized oh she loves children mm -hmm. I, I was the one who was there when my niece was born mm -hmm. my sister wanted me there mm -hmm. and I, I still remember that day vividly but it didn't change my mind and my mom was the first one who really accepted mm -hmm. and and let me know she accepted that that was my choice and she was okay with it mm -hmm. and I always remember she came to my house and she had a gift basket that she had made and it had like world's greatest auntie stuck so it was it was really cute it had a book uh and I wish I could remember the title of it but it was a book all about like the great things that aunts do for children it had things that my niece and I could do together it had like a little tea set in it and that was my way of knowing from her that she accepted my choice that this was my role in the in the family for a few years after that my dad still said well, you can always change your mind um you know I'm supportive of you either way but you can always change your mind And then eventually I think he realized that I wasn't changing my mind and that was okay as well. So it, it took a while, but again, I think it was because they do love yeah. being parents and now they absolutely love being grandparents. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents dream about the day of being grandparents. So there's a lot of that, yeah. that stir in there. Um, my ex-in-laws never ever oh, accepted it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they are too. I don't know that they could ever picture a world of not being parents. Mm -hmm. They were so traditional mm -hmm. that for them, I think that's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. And that was not, they, it just wasn't going to ever line up for them that yeah. you could be happy without having kids. Yeah. That's a little bit sad. I think, yeah, yeah there's just so many other different ways of living. Mm -hmm. You have four or five Five. Five nephews and nieces. Yes. And you're their aunt. You're a very special aunt. You have a special relationship to them. Like, how do you see or how would you describe your role? So I'll start out by saying they have a wide variety of ages. Mm -hmm. The oldest one is 15 and a half. She just got her learner's permit today to drive. So let's, wow. she's, she is growing up. And then the youngest is one and a half. So Obviously, my role in their lives differs a little bit, but I really, for them and for my other friends, because a lot of my friends have children, right? Most yeah. of my friends, I'd say, have children or want children yeah. and are going through the process to assure through like egg freezing that they can have kids, yeah. even though they don't have a partner yet. There are a lot of children in my life. And so I say this is true for my, my nieces and my nephew, but also with a lot of my friends' children, I'm a godmother to two other children and there's a lot of kids I just see pretty regularly I want to be and I I am especially for my oldest niece 
that trusted adult who's not her parents that she can ask questions to, or she can come to and say, Oh, I think my parents are being unfair. This is what they said. And I could try to help her understand their perspective and her perspective. And that, that has been a really wonderful gift so far. And I feel like I'm only at the beginning of it, but the things that I can talk to them about and, and show them and also just be there to be another strong woman in their life. It's, it's been really wonderful. And I feel very fortunate because I'll go to dinner parties and my friend's kids are there ready to give me a hug as soon as I walk through the door. Yeah. And then their parents tell me, Oh, she's been talking about you all week because you were doing this, that and the other with her last time yeah. we were together. And so that's been really fun. And I think honestly, you know, the spoils of, of not having kids is you get to do the fun stuff and then give them back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get to take them out for the sugar or in the teenagers, the, the teenagers respect, we go to Starbucks together. Yeah. Um, but then I, I get to give them back. And now that being said, there are times that I help discipline them. And I, the vast majority of my friends and I have the same values mm-hmm. and I know that they're okay with me stepping in or providing some additional guidance mm-hmm. when someone's having a difficult time, but I do get to enjoy a lot of the fun with them as well. Yeah, but it's nice to have both sides, the fun and that you're also this reliable person in their life and they can be very lucky they have that. And also for them, I think it's very valuable, as you said, to know another strong woman in their life, which has a different lifestyle, who lives on their own and isn't just the weird aunt, maybe how we grew up. Which, yeah. Like there was always one lady who didn't manage uh-huh. <laughs> to get married or whatever. And I remember this feeling as a kid that it was always a bit the funny lady. But mm. yeah, I think we're the funny lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that, that's very fair. We shouldn't. <laughs> we shouldn't. And a lot of my friends don't live near their family. Yeah. And so to your point, it's being part of that extended family and yeah. and not just being a support for the kids or there for the kids or there to have fun with the kids, but also for the parents. Yeah. Because yeah. seeing what my sister and brother have dealt with with their children, having family nearby is just such yeah. a blessing that yeah. not everyone has. And especially yeah. in a city like D.C., where so many people have moved here, being that person who can come over because you got to take one kid to the doctors for an emergency and your husband's out of town on a work trip. Like I'm happy to do it. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be that support person. Remind me of that cool word. Thank. Or oh, thank. Thank. <laughs> thank. <laughs> Professional aunt, no kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember when you first talked about um, not having kids, I asked you what you responded to the question that we get asked mm-hmm. so much. Do you have kids? And you said, well, usually I say, I don't have kids, but I have a dog or I don't have kids, but I'm surrounded by a lot of children. I have nephews and nieces. And my first reaction was like, oh, she's trying to find an excuse for herself. But you taught me something better. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I, I see when people ask that question that they're trying to make a connection. And to our earlier conversation, they're trying to say like, hey, this is important to me. Are the same things important to you? And so I don't want to say, oh, no, I don't have kids. That's not important to me. Because through our discussion, I I hope you realize they are important to me. And so what I'm trying to do is figure out a way to still make that connection without, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't want to lie because they're probably going to figure out pretty quickly I don't have children. (laughs) 
Um, it's more about trying to find some common ground to relate on. And so, yes, a lot of times I'll say, oh, I have a a fur baby or a dog child, or I'll talk about my nieces, my nephews, and the other children I'm with and how close I am with them so that they know that I appreciate what they value and I share some of those same values. I just do it in a different way. Yeah, that's really nice, I think. I haven't really thought about it in this way because I think I was just for a very long time too annoyed by the question. And for a very long time, I also didn't, know what to answer because mm-hmm. I wanted very badly children and I felt yeah. ashamed I could not say yes and it, yeah it can be a very hurtful question yeah. so that's a very good aspect you're pointing out I think are there some situations where you feel well this kind of connection just doesn't work they don't get me or it's just not enough to be surrounded by children that are not my own yeah definitely And a lot of times you can see when I make the comment around, oh, but I I love my nieces and nephews and my friend's children. There's kind of a look that comes over their face like, oh, that's just not the same. Yeah. And I get it. It's not. It's not. not. And it is not nearly the stress of being a parent. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm not going to apologize for that. So it's okay. If we don't share those values in the same way, I have a lot of friends who appreciate that I'm there for them and their kids, their families, and my, my sister and my brother. So I'm okay with not everyone getting it. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to bend myself to to be something I'm not. Well, it's actually really healthy, I think, because you're kind of handing them your little finger to say, I want to connect with you. I do love the same things you do, but mm-hmm. maybe not in a similar way. Yeah. And if you don't like that, then just don't take my hand. Yeah. 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 I like that visual. Yeah. Of, right. Like I'm, I'm extending my hand. Yeah. You can take it or not. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, is there something you'd wish for when you're in those situations where you feel maybe like the oddball? You know, every once in a while. And I, I think about a time I was hanging out with my sister and mm-hmm. a bunch of her neighbors. Mm-hmm. And there was a discussion uh, going on. All the moms were in one section, all the dads were another. It was at a kid's birthday party. And I was the, I was the oddball. Like literally I was the odd number adult. (laughs) Um, I didn't have a partner with me. It was just me. And the focus was around the new middle school mascot. And I remember looking at my sister being like, wait, is this what we're talking about the whole time? And she was like, yeah, I know this isn't what you're used to. I was very grateful in that instance to have her there because she understood that like, not only is this what I'm interested in, but I have no frame of reference for the middle school mascot choice. And so there are times that I'm really grateful to have that person in the room who's saying like, yeah, I know you just don't get this and it's okay. And there are times I don't have that person there and I wish I did. And honestly, a lot of times in those cases, I'm going over and talking to the dads because to some of our previous conversations, I think the dads, don't have those same conversations about parenting. There's a bit more of that social, it's okay for you to still think about sports and your business trip and this, that, and the other. And so that is also what happens in many of those cases. That's a whole other podcast to do about. That's very interesting. And do you, that's a different question. (laughs) The women see you as a threat if you go talk to the husbands about sports and other hobbies it all depends on the women and my friends know that that isn't like 
that is an intellectual conversation only. But I do think there can be some women who would see that as a threat. And I'd say, come on, you know, please don't take it that way. Come over, have this conversation with us because you're probably a very intelligent woman and it might be good for you to take a break and think about something for yourself. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, it just sounds a bit easier. Like, yeah. I would also prefer to speak about something else than yes. the school mascot. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we come to an end, I would like to ask you, like, what is your message to child-free people out there, whether by choice or by coincidence? What would you say to them, whether it's men or women? You know, I think... For those who are by coincidence and not by choice, mm-hmm. um, to me, that is one of the, the hardest things because with my experience in labor and delivery and in my personal life, there are so many women who want nothing more to be a parent. Mm-hmm. And it's so heartbreaking that those aren't always the women who are having children. So I just, my heart goes out to them um, because I, I can't imagine that challenge and I can't imagine wanting something that much and not being able to work hard enough to get it. Yeah. And that's, that's the unfortunate thing about mm-hmm. this sometimes is there's, you can do everything in the world and it sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, the thing I would say to anyone who is sure they don't want children or maybe teetering, um, you know, stick to your guns. If you need to keep asking questions or having experiences to decide what you really want, that's great. But I also think this is, as I said, one of the hardest things in the world to do, to raise children. And if you really don't want kids, I don't think you should let anyone try to convince you otherwise, because it is an all-consuming adventure. And to enter into that not wholeheartedly, you won't be doing that child or yourself any favors. And so that, that would be my perspective. It's you have to be true to yourself and to what you want for a decision that's this big and this important. Thank you. That were wise final words. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me today. Thank you so much, Jen. And thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. If you liked that episode, please subscribe, rate, like, share it. You can find all our episodes on our website, expectations.ch, and you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Expectations is a production by my co-host Rachel and me, Catherine. This was a special episode of Expectations, straight from the US, done by me, Catherine, living in Washington, D.C. You can find Rachel and my own stories in the first two episodes of the podcast, only in Swiss German so far. The short version of it is I'm Catherine, 44, and child-free by circumstance. My co-host Rachel is 36 and child-free by choice. We are convinced that we need a bigger conversation about being child-free, whether it's planned or not. We want to make those people more visible and show their many different colorful lifestyles. And we want to break taboo topics like miscarriages or infertility and talk about what femininity means in today's world. Stay tuned and thanks for listening.